aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. For the final time, coming off of turn number five, it's Kyle Larson working his way down the short chute, headed towards turn number six. Two lap cars up in front of him. He doesn't have to worry about them right now as he works his way back into the corner. Kyle Larson with a big round of applause from the fans of the stands. Kyle Larson works his way through six, eyeballing seven. Here he is, the final right-hand turn, turn number seven. Kyle Larson exits cleanly to the inside of a lap car, checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the Go Bowling at the Glen. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you for yet another weekly get-together. We are headed back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend, where for the first time ever, the NASCAR Cup Series will race on the road course. And we'll preview all that action coming up. Chase Briscoe won the inaugural race on the Indy road course last year in the Xfinity Series. Can he get it done in the Cup Series this weekend? The Truck Series playoff field is officially set. We look at all the drivers vying to make it to the championship round in Phoenix. Austin Sendrick is back doing double duty this weekend. He'll join us to preview that and talk about his move up to the NASCAR Cup Series in 2022. But first, let's get a check of the headlines across NASCAR Nation with Kyle Rickey. Kyle? Mike, the 26 race regular season is down to just three races for the NASCAR Cup Series teams. And the race for those extra playoff points is tied between Denny Hamlin and last week's Watkins Glen winner, Kyle Larson, as to who will be that regular season champion. Larson believes his Hendrick Motorsports team needs to be flawless these next three weeks to have a shot at Hamlin. Got to keep our heads down and keep trying to execute. He doesn't make any mistakes, so that means you got to be flawless as well. And um, we've been doing that. Uh, got a little bit off you know, mistakes on my end at you know, Atlanta and Road America. Thankfully, we had a clean day day and, and got the win. The regular season champion picks up an additional 15 playoff points to begin the playoffs, while the second place driver picks up just 10. The race for the title continues this weekend on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 
The race is just as tight for the 16th and final spot to make the playoffs in the Cup Series. As Tyler Reddick has just 15 points over his Richard Childress Racing teammate, Austin Dillon. Chris Buescher is 135 points back in 18. However, a win by any of these drivers over the next three races would guarantee them a spot in the playoffs. And some sad news to report as longtime NASCAR and IndyCar broadcaster Bob Jenkins has passed away. Jenkins was one of the first on-air employees for ESPN and was the longtime anchor to the channel's NASCAR races for nearly two decades. While also working alongside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network each May, Jenkins was 73 years old. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we talked to last year's NASCAR Xfinity Series winner on the Indy Road Course, Chase Briscoe. And later, Xfinity Series point leader Austin Sendrick will join us. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2020 was Chase Briscoe's breakout year. He scored nine NASCAR Xfinity Series victory and came up just short of a championship. That season earned him his ride in the Stuart Haas Racing number 14 Ford Mustang this year. He currently sits 22nd in the point standings and is going to need a win in one of the next three races to make the playoffs as a rookie. What better place to do that than at a track where he is the only driver in the field to win at? He joined our Dave Moody to discuss. Chase, second top 10 in the last four races last week at Watkins Glen. Uh, yet another sign that this team seems to be on the upswing at just about the right time of year. Yeah, you know, I feel like the last couple of weeks have been pretty good. You know, obviously the road courses have been really good to us this year. And obviously we've got another one coming up this week. So <clears throat> try to just keep building that momentum and, and hopefully, uh, you know, carry it into a really special place to my heart, which is obviously Indianapolis. When you come away uh, with a ninth place finish and still act a little bit disappointed, that that's progress, right? Over where you were at the beginning yeah. of the season. Yeah, for sure. You know, the the first, I think we ran sixth at Coda, and you know, you're super excited. Then we ran sixth at Road America, and we were a little disappointed because we felt like it could have been a lot better. So, you know, to come away with you know ninth at, at Watkins Glen and to be upset is definitely a good thing, I think. So, you know, the last couple of weeks, like you said, we've kind of been trending in the right direction. So. Hopefully we can just continue to do that. And as you do that, your expectations get higher and higher. So it's a little bit harder to, to kind of succeed and get those expectations. But whenever you do, it makes it a lot better. Obviously, this weekend is a big one for you. Every race is a big race, but, but Indy is special, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody in the field, you know, whenever we go to a place like Daytona or, or Indianapolis, it's special. But when you grow up in Indiana, especially as close as I did to Indy, you know, it's even more special. So, yeah, there's a lot of significance, you know, going into this weekend, you know, going back home, you know, for me just to, to go race at Indy once again, uh, but to do it in the 14 car in the Cup Series, you know, it, it don't get much cooler than that for me. So, super excited to go there this weekend. You know, last year I wasn't able to go there and race with, with fans in the stands and a lot of friends and family. So, 
I'm super excited to do that this weekend. It's it's been the the one race I probably look forward to the most all year long. How many tickets re- uh, ticket requests have you gotten from family members you never knew you had <laughs> this week? Yeah, there. Uh, there's I know there's about a block of a hundred and something. I think in turn four of the oval. So there's going to be a ton of people from right around where I'm from going. So it'll be fun. You know, there's a ton of people online that I've seen that, you know, aren't even necessarily race fans, but they, they grew up kind of in Lawrence County or Mitchell, Indiana, where I'm from. And, you know, they're going to go just to, to watch and, and see it. So I'll have a lot of support there, I think this weekend for sure. So that's super exciting and just cool. Anytime you go to Indi- Indianapolis, it seems like if you're an Indiana driver, just the whole crowd gets behind you. So it's going to be cool to experience that in the cup series. What were your first memories of the Brickyard? <clears throat> well, the very first memory I had is when I was seven years old, I went and got a race suit and I got it from a guy named Jim Bob Luger, which was literally across the street from the speedway. He's still, every time I, I pull into on race weekend, he's still out there trying to park cars and get him at his place. So that's the first memory I, I have of the place is just driving there and getting my uniform and looking across the street and being like, Holy cow, they race at that place. It's so big. And, you know, I remember watching, you know, when Tony won, obviously, uh, but then I didn't go there for the first time until I was probably 15, 16, uh, and actually went there and watched a race. And just, I remember going and standing in turn one and watching how fast the Indy cars came pulling down into there and you know, just feeling the, the kind of the atmosphere and everything that, that is Indianapolis. So that's probably my first memory, I would say, is just going there as a little kid and getting that race uniform and, you know, getting to see that place across the street. As an Indiana boy, you, you almost had to be a Tony fan, right? You almost had to be a Jeff fan, and they gave you some really exciting days at the Brickyard over the years. Yeah, for sure. You know, it seems like Indiana has Indiana drivers have had some good luck at, at the Speedway, and you know Jeff's not really an Indiana guy, but we kind of adopted him as one of our own. So, yeah, between him and and Tony, you know, it was definitely you know good to watch. You know, I just remember watching Tony and the significance of how much it meant to him to to win there. You know, I remember him going and doing a burnout in front of his dad, Nelson, over there in turn two. And, you know, just the, the climbing the fence and all the things that go along with it. And then for me to, to be able to, to win last year there, I didn't get to, like I said, do it with the fans. But, you know, just winning an Indy. You know, I remember the first time I ran an Indy in 2018. You know, I had tears in my eyes doing the driver intro deal riding on the pace car because I was actually getting to race Indianapolis. You know, I remember my dad was – pretty much in tears before the race just because we never in a million years would have thought we were going to get a race at Indianapolis. So just a dream come true for all of us. You know, it's, it's just special, you know, anytime you can go there and, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to, to get to say I'm going to run at Indianapolis, you know, in my hero's car, even driving the 14. It's uh it's just pretty unbelievable. Well, I was going to ask that, that, that in the, in the, who would have believed it? a being able to race at the brickyard as an Indiana boy, and B, being able to race at the Brickyard for Tony Stewart in Tony Stewart's old car, the number 14 car. I mean, that's just that's just too many great dreams come true all in one. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, even going back to last year, when I was able to win there, I had an interim crew chief with Greg Zipidelli, you know, Tony's crew chief. So, like, it is, it's been super cool, you know, the things that I've been able to do, you know, driving for the guy that I, I always consider my hero, you know, to, to get a drive, that 14 car to Indianapolis is going to be super special this weekend. So it's something I definitely can't wait for. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. You know, I, I feel like just naturally driving the 14 car, you kind of have a, a new fan base. But whenever we go to Indy, it's going to be an even bigger one. So I can't wait. 
Last but not least, let's let's just take our final moment here and engage in some flat-out fantasy. If you can win this race this weekend <laughs> in front of all those friends and all those family, I don't know, do you pull a smoke and climb a fence? What do you do? Oh, man, it would be unbelievable. I mean, I would I would climb over the fence probably. Uh, you know, last year I climbed the fence and I got about halfway up and I realized it's a lot higher than I thought it was. Um, but, yeah, I mean – I'm going to do it all. If, if, you know, that would just be the ultimate story, storybook ending or not ending, you know, really hopefully the beginning, but you know, for me to get my first ever cup win at Indianapolis, you know, driving that car, I I would feel bad for the Roush Gates guys. Cause I'd probably blow the motor. I'd do it such a long burnout. And you know, I would be doing a, a long celebration. So it would be pretty unbelievable. And you know, that's the one thing, you know, I think hopefully I get another opportunity to win in Indianapolis. That'll be the one thing my entire career, you know, and even after I retire, that's something that will always haunt me if I don't get another win in Indy is just how I, I was able to win there but didn't get to celebrate with you know, all, all my fans and friends and family. So hopefully we get another opportunity at it. Hopefully it's at, at this weekend. Thank you, Dave. We'll see if Chase can lock himself into the playoffs this weekend. Coming up, our Woody Kane spoke to Austin Sendrick ahead of his double-duty weekend at Indy. And later, we'll preview this weekend's races at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Austin Sendrick has quickly become a threat to win every time we head to a road course. He'll have two chances to do it this weekend on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He joined our Woody King to discuss that and taking over the famous Penske number 2 next year. Austin Sendrick is with us now. He is the defending champ in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and heads to one of his favorite places coming up this weekend, the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Austin, before we get into the future, let's talk a little bit about last week because, man, that battle between you and A.J. Allmendinger and Ty Gibbs was something to behold. I think that's exactly what fans want to see. How much fun is it for you being in the middle of that, even if you don't win it? Yeah, it's it's certainly... Uh... It's certainly challenging to, to remove myself from the race and put myself in a fan's perspective because I don't like finishing third, especially when you take the lead on the restart. So um, that's that's the way racing goes. But, yeah, it had to have been a great show. And uh, obviously, AJ and I have done a lot of racing together, and, and Ty's obviously done a great job coming in the series. So um, definitely fun battle. Hopefully, uh, you know, my goal every weekend is to make it as boring as possible and just, you know, lead laps. But that's, uh, that's not the case. We've got a pretty competitive series, and uh, I would expect a lot of the same coming to Indianapolis. Well, speaking of making it boring, you've already got four wins, eight stage wins, and you've got about an 80-point lead over second place for the regular season championship. However, there are a half dozen races to go. Size up this stretch run for us. Yeah, I mean, the month of August is critically important for us. You know, like you said, 80-point lead is pretty large, but we've got some wild card races, we know, with the road course at, at Indy, but uh, but also Daytona coming up. So, uh, so some wild card races that, that can, you know, uh, play some challenges towards that, but the regular season championships really important for us. You know, I think it was 
uh, critically important for us, making it to Phoenix last year with 15 playoff points being awarded. Uh, so uh, we're in a good spot. Uh, we're in about we're in a better spot than anybody else. But uh, you're still definitely very hungry to to, to minimize that loss and and make sure we can walk away with those 15 points because it'll be it'll be really important, especially come the second round of the playoffs. All right, let's move on to the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. A spectacular show, I thought, last year there for the Xfinity guys as well. Now you get to go and try and top it. Tell me about that course in comparison to some of the others that you've seen this year because there are plenty of infield road courses, but each has their own quirks. Yeah, I mean, similar story to Watkins Glen. Uh, great show. I just didn't win it. So <laughs> I was having flashbacks while describing that because I've had to describe the, the finish of the IMS road course last year, which – Obviously, it was a great finish between myself and AJ and Chase Briscoe. And, uh, yeah, just looking uh, looking forward to, to, to going back there, having another shot. You know, obviously, pretty pretty big weekend for our team. For me as well, running double duty, running on Sunday as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty focused on, on having, a good, uh, having a good weekend and having two fast-forward Mustangs. Um, as far as what makes uh, IMS Road Course unique, you know, we're coming from Watkins Glen for your high-speed road course. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say overly technical, uh, but, but, you know, very fast flowing, not too many passing zones. Whereas at Indy, uh, you know, you have two very big, long break zones some passing zones. Um, the infield section to the S's is quite slow. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities to, to you know, maybe, maybe make a pass by using some bumper. Um, so you, you're able to, you're able to kind of establish yourself uh, at that place, but at the same time, track position is really important, you know, no cars go a lap down. So that definitely plays into the strategy as, as normal on road courses. So, uh, you know, when, when Indy cars usually race there, that's one of their, their tightest fields of the year. Just, you know, I, I wouldn't say the track is easy, but it's not the most challenging layout. Uh, so, I, so I think you're, you're going to have a tight pack throughout the race. And, um, you know, for me, it's just, you know, establishing track position is critically important. But um, given the fact that my boss owns the racetrack, uh, it would certainly be great to win there. Uh, on other reasons, you know, the IMS, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is very important to my family, significant to me, and uh, nothing would be cooler than win winning at the Great Yard. You mentioned uh, doing double duty, and I want to get back to that in a moment, but what you just said about the significance to, to you and your family, for folks who aren't aware, your grandfather was the guy who founded Red Roof Inns that a lot of people have heard about, but he also won the Indianapolis 500. Tell me about growing up in that environment, and, and that's why I, I know that it means so much more to you than just uh, any track around the country. Yeah, so 1986, uh, Bobby Hall won the Indy 500, driving for my grandfather, Jim Truman, uh, and actually he, he would had battled cancer for the last couple of years leading up to 86 and he actually passed away 11 days after winning the 500. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty dramatic. I, I would say uh, family history when, when it comes to that, but uh, you know, my dad grew up around the speedway right around there and um, his father built engines, you know, worked out of the wooden garages for, for the longest time. So um, I grew up, you know, there's pictures of Elio Kaspernevas winning his first Indy 500 and, you know, I'm sitting on the car, you know, this big, you know, Trying, trying not to push over the the board Warner Trophy. So uh, I've I've been to more Indy 500s than I can count, and uh, I've got special spots where I like to watch the race and um, different traditions that we do as a family. And um, so yeah, that place is really special to me. It's honestly weird going there and racing. Um, so it's it's obviously on the road course. The 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 Indy 500 is 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 incredibly special. But I think it's cool that we're racing there with Indy Car during the weekend. It gives the fans a lot to look forward to, and um, certainly as a driver as well. That's a, a value experience for sure for the fans. All right, let's talk about that cup race. You're, you're doing double duty, as you mentioned. I think you've run a half a dozen of those so far. What has been more challenging than you thought, and what has been about what you expected in, in driving those cars? 
Yeah, certainly the road courses have been you know, probably a, a different challenge for me than the oval races. Uh, you know, uh, every every oval race I've run to started uh, dead last. You know, giving me a great perspective on the field, what it takes to come up through the field. Um, you know, a, a lot of different things that I probably didn't expect to learn. So uh, I think that was a very valuable experience uh, leading into next year. As far as the road courses go, I've gotten to qualify at, at, at Coda, at Road America, at uh, at Indy. We will have qualifying as well, so I uh, won't have to deal with uh, starting last, well, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, those have been good races for us. We just haven't made it to the end. Um, you know, Road America, while leading the race, um, have a, have a mechanical problem. Um, obviously, can't finish the race. Uh, so uh, and then Coda, you know, with, with the rain and everything that went on, uh, we were off strategy by the time they called the race. Anyway, point being, um, I just want to get to the end. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, I, I think I can go out and win a cup race right now, uh, but I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I, I think we've had speed. I don't think we have dominant speed uh, like that, like the Hendrick cars have seemed to have. I feel like Joe Gibbs guys are pretty quick as well. So it's definitely going to be a challenge, but I'd, I'd like to do my best and do my part to establish ourselves up there and, and, and make it to the end of the race, because that's, that's been our biggest challenge so far in the 33 cars. You know, a lot of things recently that have been out of our control, uh, you know, I feel like Daytona 500, we had a miscommunication on a pit stop, put us in the back instead of where we were at the front. You know, Richmond, I created some of my own problems. And, and then from there, we get wrecked by a lap car running, you know, inside the top 10 of Kansas. And then, you know, the, the rest is history. So um, it's it's been a challenge, but uh, it's, it's been a good challenge. And I've learned a lot. And this is our last race on the 33 car. So I know my guys are hungry. My pit crew's hungry. Uh, myself, uh, if you can't tell, I'm very hungry just to get to the end of the race and, and try and give ourselves a shot. So um, it, it's a fun opportunity, but a very busy weekend. You mentioned focus earlier, and I get that and I respect it. But talking about the cup side, now that you've gotten these races under your belt, you get to go to a completely different car next year after it was announced that you'll be driving the two car at Team Penske next year. What kinds of things do you do or can you do to get ready for a car that nobody has ever raced before? Yeah, our race teams are now just starting to get delivery of the next gen car. We've got one sitting on our shop floor. Guys are working on assembling that and, you know, already trying to figure out where to find a competitive edge. You know, I think it's different than in years prior as far as how to build your cars. And, um, you know, our guys, just as everybody else, are trying to understand that and, uh, you know, what value we can bring as a group. And when testing starts, I think that's when things will get exciting. But uh, a lot of moving parts, um, literally and figuratively, no pun intended, but a lot of moving parts and trying to figure out, you know, where things stand for next season. But uh, my number one priority is, is try and give ourselves the best shot to win another Xfinity Series championship. And that's all about making it to the final four in Phoenix. So that's where my focus is. I try not to get dragged too far away or let my mind wander too much about thinking about 2022. I've got, I've got four months till I can get excited about that opportunity, which is, which is an incredible opportunity to drive the two car and uh, race for Roger Penske at the highest level. It's a dream come true for a racer, a guy who loves cars for sure, absolutely. Austin, congratulations on a strong season. Thanks for your time, and good luck this weekend. Appreciate it, Woody. Thank you. Coming up, the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series are headed to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend to race on the road course. We'll preview that coming up, and later, the Truck Series playoff field is set. We'll take a look at the 10 drivers who made the cut. Wheeland would like to congratulate Kyle Larson and his number 500 Motorsports pit crew for the win at Watkins Glen International. They are the Wheeland pit crew of the week. Following the victory, Larson gave credit to his crew, earning him the advantage during a green flag pit stop. Once the strategies kind of worked out and I ended up mid-pack, I knew I needed to beat the 22 and the 11 to the front. And um, 
then I would have better tires than those guys in front of me and, and the strategy would work out. So uh, thankfully that's what happened. Our picker did a great job on the green flag stop and got us out in front of the 19 and um, we were able to to kind of maintain that gap for a little while and then eventually start to pull away and um, you know thankfully the nine uh, was not close enough uh, there at the end because he was he was really really fast. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend, we have a rarity in NASCAR, the second of back-to-back road course races. Let's hear what the drivers expect this weekend as the NASCAR Cup Series ventures onto the Indy road course for the very first time. In a season of new tracks for the NASCAR Cup Series, this weekend's race is at a familiar facility, but at a new configuration. NASCAR's Elite will be racing on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, something the Xfinity Series has done, but not Cup. Hendrick Motorsports driver William Byron says he thinks the Indy road course will be similar to Charlotte's Roval. I think it's going to be really interesting. I honestly compare it somewhat to the Roval. Just in what I've ran on the simulator, I feel like some of the corners are really low speed. Uh, there's some really high speed braking zones that the Roval has too. So uh, I feel like you know you're gonna have to be good under under braking. You're gonna have to uh, have to be good in all the low speed corners too. So a lot of tight radius corners, but I feel like it's gonna make for good racing because typically you know when our cars don't drive as well, that's typically when they race really well. Teammate Chase Elliott thinks even though it's an infield road course it's going to run smoother than expected. That road course to me is not going to be your average infield road course. I mean, that, that place was the host of an F1 event, M many IndyCar events, you know, over the years, and obviously Xfinity last year. So, you know, it, it, was, it was laid out more like a traditional road course, you know, a place that was kind of made for it, has a little more flow to it than some of the infield tracks uh, that we see, like the Roval. I mean, a lot of these tracks have infield tracks we just might not go to them but i think it'll be more like a normal road course you know more so than than the roval but it doesn't you know one thing about those type of tracks is they don't have any elevation really that to me is kind of what makes them different charlotte has a little more elevation and up and down than, than you might think but watching that race last year the thing that stood out to me the most was just it's super flat there's really nothing there's really no up and down to it. So I think that could uh, be a little different than the norm. New Hampshire winner Eric Almarola isn't exactly thrilled about running the road course versus the traditional oval. I'm sad about it, to be just honest. <laughs> I, I think uh, racing on the oval was so cool just because, you know, I was a kid and, and went and watched an Indy 500 back in the late 90s. So to race on the oval, uh, was just special. You think about the history of that racetrack and the people that have ran around that rectangular racetrack and crossed that yard of bricks and all those things and all the races that went on before you dating back to the early 1900s is just a very special place and, and so to not race on the oval is, is weird and so I'll, I'll certainly miss it but I have no doubt that we will put on an exciting race on the road course and it will be a lot of fun to, you know, try and figure that place out. Indianapolis is a big track for Roger Penske and his driver, Joey Logano, says he makes sure the Penske drivers know it. Roger is so passionate about that racetrack. Uh, we, we hear about it a lot and, and you know, the improvements he's made, he's made. I, I got to go up there last, last week and 
uh, you know, take a look at you know the facility and, and what they've been able to do over the last year. The place is beautiful. It's country club, uh, you know, so it's it's nice. We're all going to enjoy it. I know that, and it's going to be the uh, you're going to know it's a Penske entity for sure. <laughs> when you see it, you realize it pretty quickly. Penske teammate Ryan Blaney says they've taken advantage of Austin Cindric and some of the IndyCar connections the team has to get notes on the road course. Yeah, I mean, from, from Austin running the Xfinity race there last year, getting some experience, uh, the IndyCar guys being there a lot. Uh, you know, really the only thing that's changed is, you know, they put in different curbs for us compared to compared to the IndyCar guys. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, it's a huge race for us to try to win for RP. Um, but it, it should be neat. Uh, we got to see the track on Thursday. Uh, we were up there doing some promo stuff, and got to see it in person and see some of the curves and I think it's going to put on a good show so uh, that one is definitely circled every year no matter if it's the road course or the oval for, for RP and uh, hopefully we can get it done for him. That'd be nice. Kyle Busch says that while the road course doesn't have the same prestige as the oval it's still something you want to be the first to win at. Yeah I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to it you know it's another race on the calendar it's obviously one you want to win um, being an inaugural event uh, technically speaking. Um, you know, so it, it's just not quite, to me, it's not quite the same allure as the, as the Oval is and what the history and the prestige is there with the Indy 500 and the Brickyard 400. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that it's, it's quite a big deal uh, as it once was, but, um, you know, it's, it's cool to, I guess, now run a different course there. Kyle Larson agrees that the road course doesn't carry the weight of the Oval, but is optimistic about the feel the road course will give. To me, personally, I think it does a little bit. Um, yeah, I think you could probably ask a lot of the drivers, and, and most all of them would say that, give you the same answer. So I uh, wish, that, wish that we were on the oval. I, I understand that the racing's not the most exciting on the oval, but it's just the prestige of it and, and getting a race on that, I think, is what um, I always got excited about. Um, but, you know, I haven't got to run the road course, so, you know, maybe my opinion will change once I get there and get some laps and you'll see if the atmosphere is even better, you know, because it seems like... Your fans like road road course racing, so maybe the crowd will be bigger and, and uh, it'll be more more of an atmosphere. And defending champion Chase Elliott isn't heartbroken about not going back to the Oval because of his rough history with it. The Oval's been horrendous for me. I feel like, unfortunately, I, I really that's a place I've always wanted to really do well at. Um, you know, I was I was old enough for for Dad's win at the at the Brickyard and was a part of some photos and I always thought it'd be really cool to be able to you know to have a win there and, and win win that race um, you know and have my family there I, I always felt like it would be really cool but you know I you know what the road course will bring I'm not sure definitely is going to bring a different feel for me um, because that's not that same I don't view it as the same event as as what he won you know years ago but um, yeah, I mean, I'm still excited about it, looking forward to never run there, never run anything on the track, so we'll see. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up this weekend, our friends at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network will have coverage from Indy this weekend. Coming up, Kurt Becker is here to take a look at the 10 drivers who made the cut in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The first of three playoff fields in NASCAR's top three series is set. 
Woody Kane takes a look at the top 10 drivers who made the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series cut. Coming off their first trip to Watkins Glen in 20 years, the 2021 Camping World Truck Series playoff field is set. John Hunter Nemechek already had the regular season championship wrapped up before a second place finish at the Glen. Here comes 23-year-old John Hunter Nemechek. He gets to the stripe first. He beat the best in the business. John Hunter Nemechek wins at Las Vegas. Nemechek starts the playoffs with a 28-point lead over second place thanks to his 49 playoff points. But he still thinks there's room to improve on that regular season. I, I feel like to give yourself an A or an A plus, you, you kind of have to be perfect. Um, we've led a lot of laps, we've we've won, um, and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, at the same time, we want to win every single week. Now I know that that's not necessarily realistic, but. Um, you can definitely be in contention, and I feel like we've been able to do that uh, so far as well. Austin Hill will start the playoffs second in the standings, and he has all the momentum with back-to-back -back victories at Knoxville and Watkins Glen. Off of turn number four, the checkered flag will wave. Knoxville's first NASCAR Camping World Trek Series winner is Austin Hill from Georgia. He takes the checkered flag over Chandler Smith. Right behind Hill will be Ben Rhodes, who started off the season with back-to-back -back trips to Victory Lane at Daytona. The caution flag is flying, the field is frozen, and Ben Rhodes is going to win on the road course in Daytona. Ben Rhodes won the season opener last week, and now he's going to come back to the World Center of Racing and here they come out of turn number 14. The caution and checkered flag is waving. Ben Rhodes starts the 2021 season with a double dip and a double trip to Gatorade Victory Lane. Todd Gilliland and last year's Truck Series champion Sheldon Creed round out the top five thanks to wins this year at Coda and Darlington, respectively. Checkered flag is waving. Todd Gilliland is once again a winner in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Todd Gilliland wins the Toyota Tundra 225 at Circuit of the Americas. After that, we get to two drivers who are still trying to find victory lane this year with Zane Smith and three-time Truck Series champ Matt Crafton. Matt Crafton crosses the start-finish line. He is the 2019 NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series champion. Behind those two are where things get dicey around the cutoff line. Impressive rookie Carson Hosevar starts the round of 10 just one point ahead of Kyle Busch Motorsports' Chandler Smith and veteran Stuart Friesen. The playoffs began on August 20th at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway near St. Louis. We then head to Darlington before wrapping up the first round and eliminating two drivers at Bristol. Las Vegas, Talladega, and Martinsville make up the round of eight before we cut the field in half and crown a champion on November 5th in Phoenix. What a run. The final two laps for your new champion in the truck series. Off four. Final time. Checkered flag is out. And Sheldon Creed has won the Lucas Oil 150. And Sheldon Creed is a truck series champion. We continue the truck playoff preview, and Kurt Becker sits down with me next and later this week in NASCAR history. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. As we heard a few moments ago, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs are about to begin August 20th. Mark your calendars. Worldwide Technology Raceway across the Mississippi from downtown St. Louis. Kurt Becker is here to 
continue our debrief and our analysis of the playoffs. Kurt, welcome back to the show, my friend. Mike, good to be back with you. It's amazing. Here we sit in the middle of August, and we're already talking playoffs, but not for Cup, not for Xfinity. Trucks are about to take center stage in their playoff kickoff here coming up towards the end of the month. Well, they they are, and and I like the way things have worked out here for for this year for a couple of reasons. Number one is the fact that uh, I I live in the Midwest. I live in Illinois. I, I'm about an hour and a half from where Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway is located. So, number one, I think it's great to see the playoffs. You know, getting ready to kick off there. Beyond that, even if I didn't live close to the track, the other thing I like about it is Gateway is so challenging. I, it's been compared to Darlington. You know, broader at one end, more narrow at the other. And, and it seems like that the, the racing surface is such that admittedly, it's usually one groove and people might roll their eyes and say, oh boy, here's what we have found out at Gateway over the years. Because of that fact, there always seems to be someone who gets desperate late in the race, starts pushing and shoving and rooting and gouging to get somebody out of the way to pick up a, a, a position and go for the win. I, I think it's going to be a recipe for a terrific way to kick off the playoffs. Well, when we look at the tracks in the Truck Series playoffs, you just use Darlington as a reference point to Gateway. Well, you've got them back-to-back, -back, and then you go to Bristol, and that's elimination race number one. Then, on the other side of that, you've got Las Vegas, Talladega, and Martinsville. Get a load of that. And then you crown the champion out at Phoenix Raceway. This is maybe not the most diverse lineup of tracks, but I think it's the most intense set of tracks one could place in the playoffs. It, it, it really is. And I think that in each one of those tracks, you can go back, one can go back and look at the history of those tracks and realize that you're, you're right, Mike. There may not be a great diversity in terms of first blush looking at the tracks, but if you look a little deeper it does seem like that one, one thing that they all do have in common is the fact that they do present a, a set of challenges, which I think is going to test these drivers throughout the course of the playoffs. I don't think, you know, you look at John Hunter Niebuchek, I'll just use him as an example. He's had a terrific season. He's had five wins. Great. And, and he's won at, at, at least one, if not a couple of the tracks that we're going to go back to in the playoffs. With that said, I just don't think that there's anybody that's going to step up here and dominate whether it's him or anybody else once we get into this run. And the reason I say that, you take a look at, at the winning drivers, and I always like to look at who the winning teams have been that are in the playoffs. Kyle Busch Motorsports, Hattori, Thor Sport, GMS, Front Row. You've got a lot of different teams that have shown the ability this year to get to victory lane, even though admittedly we all have talked about, understandably so, the fact John Hunter Nemechek at KBM's had a big season. With that said, I will serve up that probably the Toyotas are going to be hard to beat. They've got double-digit wins this year. You've got six Toyotas, three Chevys, and a Ford represented in the playoffs. But the Toyotas not only have a various list of drivers that will be participating in those playoffs, but that list is deep, and it runs over multiple organizations. The Toyotas have flexed muscle all year. I don't see a reason why that's going to stop in the playoffs. Do you? No, that you've got to, if you if you want to talk manufacturers, I think you've got to look at Toyota and realize uh, if whoever wins this championship, I, you know, sometimes we say we'll pick out a certain driver and say, well, if somebody's going to win the title, they're going to have to go through driver A or driver B. And I think maybe in this scenario, one can look at it and say, in a more broad sense, 
one's going to have to go through the Toyotas in order to clinch the deal in, in this championship this year. I Look, to, Toyota's had some incredible seasons in NASCAR and especially in this Camping World Truck Series ever since they got into the sport. They've made a huge commitment to NASCAR and a big commitment to this series in particular. And, and I think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things you have to realize, given their resources, given the teams affiliated with them, I, it, it's, it has shaped up already to be a tremendous regular season for Toyota. And it is difficult to picture a scenario where all of a sudden they're just going to somehow not be a factor. I, they're they're going to be huge. Is there someone who is not on the list that surprises you? I mean, we have the 10 drivers that we have. We have the seven races. But is there someone on the list that did not make the playoffs that uh, has you scratching your head? Well, I, I think the first one that comes to mind is Johnny Sauter. I mean, here's here's a former series champion uh, who who always seems to to end up somehow making his way into the playoff picture. Johnny's had a difficult campaign. There's no doubt about it. I think you could make the case Tyler Ankrum. I mean, here's here's a driver who has who has made it in uh, to the playoffs in the past, even though he's a young driver hasn't been around as long as a veteran campaigner like Sauter. But but I thought, I really thought that Ankrum was a driver. He seems to be a driver that when he finally sets his mind to something and says, look, I'm, I'm going to go out and get this done. I really thought that as much as he could control it, that he was going to pick up a win before the regular season was over. That didn't happen. I'll tell you a third one that might surprise you, Mike. And, and this, look, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to be unfair, but Haley Deegan, when the season began right out of the box at Daytona, I saw some things there that I thought, okay, uh, she's driving with a lot of confidence. And, and I really thought at, at the start of the season, I thought there was a good shot that Haley was going to end up in the playoffs. Again, that's, that's not fair. I'm not trying to point to her and pick on her. I mean, it, it was her first full season in, in the trucks. But uh, those, those are a few of the names that I thought could have landed in the playoff picture but didn't. Can't wait till the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs begin. Race one of the playoffs, August 20th, Worldwide Technology Raceway. Motor Racing Network will have the call. Kurt will be anchoring that broadcast that night from Gateway. And, of course, we'll have every NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoff race for you right here on the Motor Racing Network. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Bags, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Kurt, thank you so much for the time. Coming up, it's this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. But before we do, it is that time of the week yet again. It's time for this week in NASCAR history with Susie Armstrong. Thanks, Mike. 1987. The charts were gushing with Bon Jovi's third album, Slippery When Wet. With liquid gold hits, Wanted Dead or Alive, You Give Love a Bad Name, and Living on a Prayer. And Rusty Wallace was living large and up on that wheel in the Finger Lakes, rolling out a Hall of Fame performance in the Raymond Beetle-owed Kodiak Pontiac, taking the checkers by an 11-second margin in the Budweiser at the Glen at Watkins Glen International.
here comes Rusty Wallace down the short straight on the uphill towards turn six. It is a light, gentle left-hander. He goes through clean. He's all by himself past the slower traffic. And now he's on the short shoot towards turn seven. Rusty Wallace trying to win his first race of the season. Trouble in the back straightaway. Jeff Bodine is slammed into the wall right here at the beginning of the back straightaway. And here comes Wallace. Checkered flag from Harold Kinder. Rusty Wallace wins the Budweiser at the Glen. nineteen ninety one l a style heavy metal was still alive as Metallica's fifth album release hit the shelves with the self-titled compact disc featuring the mega hit Enter Sandman. Gamers cheer with the launch of the sixteen bit Super Nintendo Entertainment system boasting improved speed, graphics, and sound. University of Oxford computer scientist Tim Berners Lee releases the Internet Kraken, proposing the World Wide Web as a public domain. And it was a Kodak moment for Ernie Irvin in upstate New York as the Californian crossed the finish line seven seconds ahead of Ricky Rudd to score the win at the Glen. And Ernie Irvin will ride home. It looks like at this point he is indeed by himself with only the Michael Walter machine in front. All by himself up the short straightaway for the final time. Then a long distance back. Irvin will get a nice salute. Ricky Rudd has advanced now to second spot. Ernie Irvin waving to the fans as he moves down the short straightaway toward the right-hand turn seven on the checkered flag. Ernie Irvin, who began this year with the win at the Daytona 500 by STP, will take a win on the road course here at Watkins Glen this afternoon. The Kodak Film Chevrolet outdistancing the field and the Budweiser at the Glen. In 2002, there was no confusion for American rapper Nelly and co-crooner Kelly Rowland as their latest collaboration, Dilemma, shot up the charts. Financial woes put U.S. Airways in a nosedive, with a struggling carrier declaring bankruptcy and launching a decade-long struggle until the merger with American. And Tony Stewart was vectored to victory lane at Watkins Glen, driving the Joe Gibbs Racing Home Depot Pontiac to the win in the Sirius Satellite Radio at the Glen. Tony Stewart has made no mistakes this afternoon. No reason to think he'll make any this time. That's the only way they'll catch him. Tony Stewart swings it out wide, now brings it down to the rumble strips. 15 car lengths over Ryan Newman, who has about two car lengths over Robbie Gordon. Tony Stewart brings it off turn 11. He'll look for the checkered flag. The Home Depot Pontiac of Tony Stewart heads to the start-finish line to claim his third win of the 2002 season, his 15th career NASCAR Winston Cup victory, winning the Sirius Satellite Radio at the Glen. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. We also would like to thank Chase Briscoe for spending time with us this week. Also, our thanks to Austin Centric, and we thank you as well for tuning in. That's going to put a wrap on this week's show. We're off to Indianapolis to see who in the Cup Series can take the first checkered flag there 
on the road course. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Have a great week. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.